Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on coup attempts, seditious incitement, and other news items that may or may not be of interest to the American citizen. And listeners abroad, we welcome you as well. What do you think of America, foreign listeners? A shining city on a hill? Always and forever. America number one. I'm your host, David, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Starly. Hi, Starly. Hi. And also the hill climber himself, the Motor City Madman, John. Hi, John. Hey, guys. I feel like I haven't seen you guys in 10 years. Doesn't it feel like a long time? Yeah. Many things of note have happened since our last recording session. We haven't even spoken since the, since the Georgia Senate runoffs. No. A lot has happened. Yeah. A lot has happened on the last day, much less the last week. We're recording this on a Monday afternoon, by the way. Well, I was going to say, what, we could either say what's happening right now or what's happened. Let's talk about what's happened. Georgia, go Georgia. Yeah, should we go chronologically? Let's I go mean, chronologically. I, I guess, you know, last— Yeah. Yeah, last time we talked, we were talking about the Georgia Senate runoffs. Mm-hmm. I, I was saying that I didn't feel that confident, and uh, I was totally wrong, and the the Democrats dominated, won easily. Not just you, though. Everybody, everybody—nobody thought it was possible. You know what it was? It was a happy surprise. The happy surprise we were waiting for happened in Georgia. It was one of those rare happy surprises. Yeah. I truly thought the Democrats would lose both seats. Mm-hmm. And I was stealing myself for Kelly Leffler and David Perdue, enjoying more time in the Senate. Months ago, I actually sold my shares in Warnock winning. I totally panicked, and I'm still kicking myself because I would have gotten so paid on Tuesday night. But I punked out and sold. And... It's incredible. Like, they won two Senate seats in Georgia, the Democrats. I got money. I won money on Georgia. I won money on Georgia winning. I won money on Warnock's, like, percentage of victory, which I did not know what I was betting on, and which is watching the numbers go up and then got out before they settled on anything. Nice. And, um, well, no, those are the Georgia ones that I won. And then I won money on the senators objecting, which was a very, very, very— um, th- that was like a car chase, that market, when it was happening, because— You were in a frenzy. No, it was because I had bet on Leffler objecting, and I had I had put a um, sell at 91 cents, I think. I had put a thing, so it sold before she—it got to her, which turned out to be fortunate. And then, so I made money on mm-hmm. that. And then the senators, I'd put on the seven or more objecting market and it was climbing. It was up at like 95 and I was getting greedy and I was like, I'm just going to wait till 96. I'm going to wait till 96 because it was a sure thing. It was definite. They were on the floor. And then the attempted coup happened. And it was like, I, I mean, it was such a lesson in anything can happen on Predict It because that was the only thing that would have stopped it being seven, and I think it was ultimately only six senators, only six senators who objected to the downfall of democracy. So I sold while the attempted coup was happening and then and got out. But I made less than I would have if, they, if that attempted coup hadn't happened. But you did make money. I, I made $250 Ooh, that night. Man. Which I think I've lost some of now because I also— I, I I predicted at the beginning that Trump wasn't going to get impeached because I thought that first day that it seemed like it wasn't going to be enough time. And then I just kept staying in because I was like, we still have so many days and anything could happen. And I lost a little money off that. But it was only money that I had won. So I still won a little bit, but I didn't get to keep it all. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about the money that we've made while an insurrection occurred. I mean, how else are we, what else? I know. Do you want to process this emotionally, John? Like actual humans, are you up for that? I would like to process it emotionally. I mean, go for it. I'm in full sociopath mode. All that matters is the money. I can't think about it in any other terms. I think you guys have, we we have flipped. Yeah. And I am, I, I was barely on predict it at all. I was getting DMs from people saying, you know, she get in this market and everything. And I'd write back like, yeah, 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 right, right. I'm, uh, I'm looking at that or I'm in that. And I was just completely lying. I, I had no bandwidth to process trades on Predict It. I was just in shock that 
what was happening in general. But this is what was different. This is what was different for me because election night is how I felt that night. I was like, I can't. I I can't be doing this and looking at predicted the whole. I can't be worried about losing money and right. and, and and this happening. The the day of the coup, Georgia was the great thing about Georgia was that the whole night somehow people understood for reasons I still don't quite understand. Like you knew that from very early it looked good, and so it was like watching the returns without this. There was still a little bit of stress, but it never dipped. It never seemed like bad news. And so I was able to, like, kind of be unpredicted idly. The day of the mm-hmm. coup, the day the white supremacists stormed the Capitol, uh, white supremacist domestic terrorists stormed the Capitol, that was—I was only unpredicted. Well, I was waiting for the senator thing, but I didn't care if I was going to lose money. I was—it was more like a—it was like a— security blanket being unpredicted. Like, I was so in such shock by what was happening that I had to, right. like, be doing something while watching it. It was like knitting. It was like knitting. It was like knitting. Yeah, just a little distraction. <laughs> you know, we have to give, we have to give uh, predicted credit that uh, for the attempted coup, predicted got its shit together and actually got the, the website up for that. So good for them. It was up. It was up. You didn't have to get on cellular or, you know, a VPN. They, they were legitimately up and The fourth and ready branch to- of the U.S. government. Our institutions <laughs> will survive this. Predict it. The fourth branch. And I'm sorry I lost money on the impeachment. I think he's probably going to get impeached, and I bet wrong on that. But I still have money in on Trump resigning because why not leave 25 bucks in? And right, the Senate yeah. voting for it. I tried to cover my bases and um, him self-pardoning. I still have those markets going. Oh. God bless you. Never give up on self-pardon market. We're the self-pardon posse. Yeah. Before we pivot off the Georgia Senate runoff and the glory of that victory, John, I have a predicted question for you. There's a market. What will the balance of power be after the 2020 election? And Dem House, Dem Senate, which is what it's going to be, was trading in the 80s. And I texted you guys and I went in. I put hundreds of dollars in there and I'm underwater and it makes me very frustrated. And you told me, John, be careful with that market. What is there to be careful about? The Democrats won the House and the Senate. Yeah, I mean, it it has to do when Leffler and Warnock actually get seated. And that is up to the Georgia Secretary of State. Uh, to when he actually certifies the result. So that market, there's some leeway. Well, will they be seated by the, a particular oh, date? Fuck me. So um, I know people that were certain uh, that there was no way they would be seated because it would be so close. But then it, it wasn't close, you know? I mean, uh, the closest one was Ossoff and he, he still won by more than a point. Uh, but I mean, if you, to call that not close. <laughs> as of now, they're still not officially seated as of now because it hasn't been officially certified. I'm looking at the rules now, and I guess I should do this before I invest, is look at the rules. It says on January 21st, yeah. 2021, the balance of power in the U.S. Congress shall reflect the characterization in the question. So it all depends on who is officially sworn in by the 21st of January. I'm going to lose so much damn money on such a happy event. Maybe, maybe not though. Maybe not. I, I still think, uh, you know, the odds are are in your favor, but it's not a, it's not a guarantee at all. All right. I want to say something really quick about Stacey Abrams. Yes. While we're still in Georgia. You know, considering what followed Georgia, like I've really been clinging especially hard to Georgia, like it being, being a happy surprise, it having such huge ramifications, those ramifications being connected to what happened the next day. It's not that I don't realize that there's a lot of people in Georgia who made this happen. Uh, there's a lot of credit to be spread around. But Stacey Abrams, her power is that she entered a system that she knew didn't ever really want her to be a part of it, that she knew the system is rigged. And so uh, the example she sets is being like, I don't care if you write me off because I already knew that going into this, you were going to write me off. I already knew that this wasn't for me. I'm I'm taking on the system. I'm not just taking on an election. I'm not trying to be a part of your system. I'm trying to make my own system and make the system fair and change the rules in a much bigger way. That, I feel like, is what is so impressive about her. It's not just about, like, idolizing one person or putting them on a pedestal or being like, I can just, I need a name in order to, like, give credit to. It's like a deep lesson that I think is 
Really inspiring. It's the difference between, yeah, it's the difference between organizing in the aftermath of a defeat and um, just throwing a tantrum in the aftermath of a defeat. So Tuesday was the result of a lot of hard work and organizing, and Wednesday and its aftermath is just going to be an extended nihilistic tantrum. People broke into the Capitol and literally smeared feces on the walls, you know, and ran around <laughs> hoping to run into Mike Pence so they could hang him or, or put zip ties around Nancy Pelosi's wrists or something. I mean, guys, guys. It's right. God, I mean, right? how— Guys. It's hard to, I still can't fathom it. It's been four four days and it just gets worse and worse in my mind. Yeah, it's, it is true. You know, it has the classic, it's a classic traumatic, shocking experience. It, it, it felt like watching 9-11 to me because when I was watching it, I was shocked, but I wasn't, I was still just like watching it and not understanding quite what was happening. Even when I was seeing shocking things. And it's the days after, as more footage has come out, I experienced it in a way that I was not experiencing when it was happening in real time because of how shocking it was. I would, I, I feel stupid for never having seen it coming. And I've seen all of these crazy people online and I followed QAnon and I followed these maniacs and I followed Charlottesville and I, and I knew all those people were gonna be there and still, you know, I think people said after the election was over, you know, there's going to be widespread violence. And I said, eh, there's probably going to be some violence, which is really bad. I, I don't think there's going to be widespread violence. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe what happened at the Capitol doesn't qualify as widespread violence. But but now, now I worry. Mm-hmm. Now I worry about widespread violence. Is, is that really something that is going to happen? I mean, I thought there might be some violence and they would fight and, you know, be some arrests and things made. But the idea that they could actually take the capital. And they didn't they didn't go away. They just shooed them out for that afternoon. It's not like the threat has been yeah, um, yeah. they're still out there. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like a squad of terrorists right. that has been dealt with. It's there's not a squad out there. It's tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of that, maybe millions yeah. of people that are on board to do that again. Who didn't meticulously plan? The difference between this and 9/11 is that it took months. I mean, lots of differences. But there's a you know that took all this planning and strategizing. You got they got one shot. This is like a sloppy, messy, trashy, gross um, attempted coup that could happen. What's to stop this from happening every day now? The reason it won't happen again is because Biden is going to bring us together, a nation united. We're going to be friends uh-huh. again, and. Um, we're going to compromise with his Republican friends in the Senate. And then um, everything will be good. I, I hear what you're saying. I think it's valid. But I I was impressed by how what he said about, about Black Lives Matter. The fact that he said, you know, his granddaughter sent him the meme that we'd all been passing around to each other the day before. That alone is so surreal because we've just been, we thought, we're just looking at memes. He's going off memes too. He's got the same intel we do. <laughs> But for him to say unequivocally, you know that if they were black, they would have been treated differently. It just was so simple and so um, undefensive and not garnished with anything. I was impressed by that. I agree. I was I was pleasantly surprised by that. And obviously, Biden has to do coming together rhetoric, I guess, uh, because there's still yeah. a lot of work to do. God damn it! And it, and his his coming together fantasy is, you know, his pleading for everyone to be united, of course, is not nearly as odious as that from, like, Jim Jordan and Ted Cruz. I mean, Um. I think when it comes to ranking the things that are bothering you most about what happened on Wednesday, I'm just having a hard time dealing psychologically and emotionally with Ted Cruz right now. That's the, that's the person in all of this where I, I feel most angry. Mm. And um, I, don't, I wouldn't say I feel mm-hmm. hopeless, but Ted Cruz to me is, is the one that makes me the most frustrated and the most enraged. It's really disturbing. It's, it's deeply, deeply disturbing. Yeah. Because you, because you know that it's, it's uh, cynical, that Ted Cruz knows better, that he knows that it wasn't stolen. Yeah. Is that why? The, the disingenuousness as a human— who is obviously capable of being disingenuous mm-hmm. myself, 
you know, like I, I understand, like you could, I don't think Trump is being disingenuous. I just think he's an evil sociopath. Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. though, it's like, you can't believe you're the same species as this guy. I know. How, how, how can he do it, man? How can he, it's just, it hurts my mind to, to ponder. Pondering Ted Cruz hurts my fucking mind. He's hard to look at. Like, he actually makes you feel unsettled yeah. seeing him. Yeah. I mean, it, it could not have been an, a, 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 a clear opportunity for him to do the right thing or not to do the most repulsive thing. And he couldn't. And that just feels bad to know about, to live with, to live on the same planet as. Yeah. It's hard to believe what happened, and it's hard to believe that so many Republicans went back into the Capitol and then still voted to contest the election results. If you're a relatively normal person, sometimes it's extremely difficult to make sense of the behavior of people who seem so craven. I don't know. On some on some level, it just seems like unwell. I don't know, man. It's just, you know, it's fucked up. But, it, but the events we saw on the Capitol and the response from certain Republican politicians has been extremely clarifying, extremely clarifying, because it really feels like this was the moment when the rubber hit the road. And so I guess in a way we have to be very grateful and very mindful of the behavior we saw in the aftermath of what happened on Wednesday. Very clarifying. Yeah. Well said. I'd like to, by the way, revoke my um, classification of the Trump's phone calls, my favorite podcast. Yeah, the live taping of your favorite podcast was ended in total chaos, Starly. You better be glad that yeah. Bell House is probably like, thank <laughs> God we didn't host that podcast taping. Ooh, they would have <laughs> torn this club down to the ground. Your favorite podcast is um problematic. What happens now? Uh, we're like in this no man's land where nobody's really in charge. There hasn't been a single there hasn't been a single official briefing about what happened. I mean, very few. Like the 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 mayor of DC gave a small briefing. Yeah, but I'm talking about like nobody in the White House has stepped behind a bunch of microphones on a podium with a big seal on it and said uh, we're going to explain what happened because it was a little bit fucked up and you might have some questions. That just has not happened. Yeah, we've heard nothing. Nothing from the FBI, nothing from the Secret Service. Or from Trump. Yeah, nothing from Trump. Uh, the only thing we're getting are these articles, you know, in the paper. It's just, just journalists you know, telling scenes, us what happened. TikToks of what, what may have happened. Melania Trump put out a statement, you know. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Melania Trump put out a statement. Have you not read the statement, bro? It came out today. No. And she's like, I'm really sad about what happened. And this is not the time to spread rumors about me. She's complaining about how people are using this opportunity to spread rumors about her. What? It's like, what room? No one's talking about you, Melania. What the fuck? No one's thinking about you right now. What rumors? She's like, I want to take this opportunity to say once again, I did not want to be on the cover of Vogue. Um, I got to go. Starley has a job. Starley's booked a job. Yeah. John and I will continue this important dialogue. Yes. I just want to say that Trump's Twitter getting taken (laughs) from him, it is a source of light. And I took, I felt like a rabid addiction to reading every (laughs) joke tweet that I could find about it. It really, like my, there was a smile plastered across my face. It was actual joy I was experiencing. I feel like in the same way that Ted Cruz is at the very bottom of the species of human, if he completely failed to rise to the occasion, people on Twitter roasting Trump's Twitter being taken from him are elevated to the heavens. Like, I am so grateful and thankful for every single joke that I read. I just... It wasn't worth him having it for this long. It should have been taken away a long time ago, but it got me it got me through these last few days. Totally. And I'll and I'll miss it and I'll miss it when the jokes die down. Okay, I now you guys could take it from here. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. John, Starley has left the Zoom call to get back to work. You and I, of course, are both unemployed, so we can revel in this discourse as we begin the national conversation that will heal mm-hmm. our fragile republic. I want to talk to you, John, about the um predicted financial aftermath of Wednesday's coup attempt. Here's what happened. I spent a lot of Wednesday in bed watching television, watching the news coverage of the coup. I had started the day by watching Trump's speech um, where he just kept 
recounting different voting. It was just like so many numbers. I don't know if you watched his remarks at that rally. I didn't, but I'm sure it was 5,000 dead people voted, 18,000 people under the age of 18 voted. But but yeah, it was like every single conspiracy theory about voting that had a particular number of ballots in it, he recited from the teleprompter. So he would be like, 4,327 ballots, folks, 4,327 ballots in Georgia. They were returned before the ballots even went out, 13,962 ballots in Pennsylvania, 13,962 ballots. It's just <clears throat> incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, those ballots, those ballots were found in a box. 364 ballots in Rhode Island. 364 ballots filled out with the wrong pen. I've never heard so many, so many numbers flung around in a speech. Right. And I thought, well, he's killing the enthusiasm because this is just like watching an Excel spreadsheet throw up all over itself. Nothing's going to happen. But sure enough, they <clears> marched <throat> on the Capitol. And then I just kind of just watched all day like, like so many other people. The next day, on Thursday, after a late angry night Wednesday, I decided to do what I do best, which is put all my emotions and anxieties in a little box deep inside my heart and turn to the sacred obligation of making money off of chaos. So on Thursday, I got a push alert from the New York Times because they're close personal friends of mine. Sometimes they send headlines directly to my phone screen. And they said that Trump was considering a self-pardon. So obviously, I've been holding my self-pardon shares for years and years and years, and I sold them on Thursday for a tidy profit. The next day, Friday, when the real kind of feeling of dread was seeping in after the shock was wearing off of Wednesday's violence and chaos— On Friday, I did what I thought I would never do, and I made a huge mistake while doing it, John, and it brings me no pleasure to share this with you, but I finally sold all my positions of my long-held and deeply personal market. Will Trump complete his first term? There had been a spike. This is a wave I have ridden for months and months, and I finally sold. And guess what? I forgot to leave a single share. I forgot to leave my foot in the door of that market. Rookie mistake. So that on Saturday, when I wanted to get back in and ride more of those waves, I was locked out. The wave was full to bursting of other board riders, and I could not access my favorite market of all time. Will Trump complete his first term? And that is a rookie mistake. But I'm no rookie. And I can only blame the anxiety I've been feeling over the past few days ever since the events of Wednesday. Yeah. I biffed it. I biffed it. This is the biff of all biffs. No, it happens. We all make rookie mistakes all the time still. Why did you sell? Because it was spiking and um, I don't know, maybe psychologically I just wanted to wash my hands of all of it, you know? Like, this is gross. Sometimes I have that feeling when, I, when I'm when i looking at the news and then I look at Predict It and I think, this is all gross. <laughs> have you ever had that feeling, John? You think? I mean, the yeah, amazing yeah, thing about, okay, definitely. the amazing thing about the, the violence at the Capitol, we've had so many outrages and atrocities over the last four years. We had Charlottesville. We had the seating of Brett Kavanaugh. For me, still the number one most traumatic and disgusting thing that happened, I think, was the Kavanaugh hearing. Oh, and then we had a then we had a pandemic where uh, we're up over mm-hmm. 350,000 deaths. And also, I guess the vaccines aren't really being distributed, so it's all love. But the storming of the Capitol really does feel like, I guess it feels different in a way, probably because of the footage, because it happened live. And also, there's something about it that just feels, and this is a dangerous way of thinking because you're set up for disappointment. It feels like an absolute transgression. It feels like we've reached some sort of conceptual limit of defilement. Obviously, worse things could happen between now and Biden's inauguration, and worse things will probably happen in the aftermath of Biden's inauguration when it comes to right-wing stochastic violence small-scale terror attacks, all that stuff is definitely going to happen. But people just storming the Capitol feels 
so iconic in a way that 9-11 felt iconic. It just feels like it puts everything else in context. It puts mm -hmm. everything else in sharper relief. And so maybe that was why I was like, I got to get out of some of these shares. Like, this doesn't feel good. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, the optics are not terrific, I have to say. The optics of a Capitol police officer being beaten to death by Trump fans, There's those are some shabby optics, I have to say. Yeah, and guys chasing cops upstairs, you know, with Q sweatshirts on, and it's it's hard to imagine. It really is hard for me to imagine that it happened. Feels fake. There probably are a lot of people that believe that it's fake, that it was all, you know, done with green screens. Right, and, or that uh, it's all actually Antifa, you know, and this is a false flag. Right. We know it couldn't have been Antifa because we know Antifa, they always attack uh, people filming them. And these guys were not attacking that I saw anybody filming them. Uh, I mean, they were like yelling at CNN and stuff, but they didn't have masks on. They were, they were pretty proud. Maybe Antifa has some shame. The different, right. Well, Antifa also knows they'll get in trouble. Oh yeah, Antifa smart. The most maddening thing, of course, about the Capitol attack was the the glee on everyone's faces. They had the classic- yes, the impunity. The classic face of the little stinker who assumed they were gonna get away with it. Putting Trump hats on statuaries indoors and posing for selfies and everybody filming each other and just being so happy and proud of what they were getting away with. And they probably couldn't believe that they had done it, you know? They probably couldn't believe how easy it was. Like they stole a fucking computer. Who knows what's on the computer? They might sell that to Russia on Craigslist or some shit. They're probably going to have to redo every fucking outlet in the whole Capitol building because of those yahoos. <sighs> I want to get back to the markets. So, John, Trump self-pardon in his first term, another favorite market of mine. I've been in and out of that market over the last few months. Why is that market now down again? Isn't he going to self-pardon? Okay, so you got some people that are going to say that Trump doesn't want to self-pardon because it looks like an admission that he is guilty of something, or he doesn't want to self-pardon because it then, you know, it only affects federal law, so it doesn't necessarily help him in the state courts, particularly New York. So there are people that believe, why should he self-pardon if it's not going to help him in those ways? But But he certainly is... I kind of think he's going to do it now because he, I think that, you know, he could just say I'm doing this to avoid the deep state. I'm not admitting guilt. I'm admitting that the deep state is out to frame me. That's why I'm self-pardoning. Would, would Trump followers buy that? I think they'd buy that. So I should hold my position in this market? Yeah, I, I think Trump self-pardons himself. The, the only question is uh, the, the rules, whether it gets up on this particular website. I think that's how you get caught. I would be surprised if he didn't uh, verbally self-pardon himself. I would not necessarily be surprised if he verbally came out, self-pardoned himself at the last second, and for some reason it didn't get up on the website, and therefore you end up not officially winning that market. Such pardon will be considered to have been granted only if Mr. Trump himself appears on the official list of presidential pardons granted by President Trump maintained by the U.S. Department of Justice's Office of the Pardon Attorney by 11.59 p.m. on February 15th, 2021. What I'm going to do is sell on the rumor, which is as soon as this thing flips into the green, because everyone's talking about it, the self-pardon, mm -hmm. which maybe he'll do as a response to impeachment, maybe then I'll sell. But I'm not going to hold this until February because I do think there is a chance that his name will never end up on the official list of pardons by President Trump. I can't believe that we're talking about impeachment again. I mean, I, we definitely should be talking about impeachment again. I think he should be impeached. But yeah, a week ago, would you have thought that Trump is going to be impeached a second time? I, I would have thought that maybe he resigned. I would have thought that maybe, I would have never seen him being impeached again. Oh, maybe I guess maybe the that call, call to, Georgia to Georgia was not had already, had already happened. happened. That's right, but that's the kind of thing that only nerds would care about impeaching someone about. Again, this is the thing about the imagery out of the Capitol. It's just so stunning. Yeah, beating people to death 
is different than asking for votes. Yeah, right. And everyone, everyone knows this. Everyone on both sides knows this. There's such a clear line from Trump's months-long campaign of sowing distrust in the elections to the attack on the Capitol. Yeah, I mean, how can people say at this point, Trump wasn't calling for this? Trump isn't responsible for this because I can guarantee you that if Barack Obama was out there (laughs) claiming that the election had been stolen from him and throwing out all these numbers, that there would be millions of people that believed him and would do the exact same thing. Oh, totally. Because if you truly believe, if you believe what Trump is saying, storming the Capitol isn't actually that crazy. Yeah, I agree. Like if the if the right politician convinced me that they had literally had the election stolen from them, I'd be running up steps. I don't know if I would be beating cops to death with a flag. I'll tell you one thing: I wear a fucking mask. I would do that. <laughs> That's one upgrade I would make from these bozos. Yeah, I'd wear a, but I would break some windows. Yeah. So if you truly believe it, and and they truly believe it, because Trump's been telling them this. But here's the thing, John. I think a lot of them don't truly believe it. They just want to fuck stuff up. It's just the ta- it's the tantrum thing again. You know. I do think a lot of them do truly believe it, but I do think some of them are there for the lols. Absolutely. I don't know. They they all seem pretty dumb. So we're recording this on Monday. Impeachment vote in the House is scheduled for Wednesday morning. We also have, everyone is getting out their constitution and their U.S. code this weekend. There's also the talk of invoking the 25th (laughs) Amendment. I think I think Vice President Pence is like, I know that he was trying to foment a mob to kill me, but he, okay, so that's strike one. <laughs> Pence is Pence right. is never going to invoke the twenty fifth. He wouldn't he wouldn't invoke it if the fucking noose was around his neck. He wouldn't invoke the twenty fifth amendment. No, because he doesn't want to die. Right. Then we have section three of the Fourteenth Amendment, which is about uh, politicians um, committing treason, fomenting insurrection. Then we have. U.S. Code Title 18, Section 2383, which um, bars anyone who foments or uh, incites treason uh, from holding office. People are hoping that can be used against people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. And then we have impeachment. We have a lot of things to consider, John. These are a lot of potential avenues for people to fantasize on Twitter about. These are different ways that Trump can leave office before January 20th. Oh, and then we have him just straight up resigning. My old chestnut. Resignation. No, he's not going to resign because in order to resign, he would have to – he would only resign if if uh, Pence was going to come out and pardon him, which Pence isn't going to do, I don't think. Okay. So we got resignation off the table. That's not happening. I'm checking that one off. The 25th Amendment isn't going to happen because Pence can't do that because – Pence's life is already in danger, and and I'm I'm saying this seriously. Right. Yep. So to then go out and uh, be part of the 25th Amendment, that's not going to help him politically or you know physically. So I don't see that happening. Okay. And yeah, I see him getting impeached, but there's not enough time in the Senate for him to be removed from office. There's not enough time for them to send it to the Senate and for them to debate, correct? Yes, that is correct. So I guess I was actually smart to get out all the way of will Trump complete his first term because it looks like he's going to. Yeah, I think the only chance is, is that he resigns and I, I just don't see that happening. <sighs> I don't see what what's in it for him. Now, we're putting off the biggest event of the week and we've, we're delaying talking about it because it's so overwhelming. Uh, on Friday night, Twitter permabanned Donald Trump and a lot of other social media apps are shutting down Trump accounts and Trump adjacent accounts that incited insurrection and violence at the Capitol. John, you texted me on Friday night and said, it feels like he just died. And it really does feel like, and who knows what this says about the state of our modern world. It truly does feel like a death and it's probably the most cathartic feeling I've had in the last four years, probably. Georgia was good. Tuesday night right. was good. I felt good about Georgia electing two Democratic senators. But Friday night was like Starley was saying. That's when you were just like, oh, let me get up in this hot tub of these Twitter takes and these Twitter jokes and let me just splash around. This hot tub is bubbling hot tonight. It was just a relief. 
knowing that nothing was coming. And we haven't heard anything from him since. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. He's gotten to the point where he could only speak in tweets. You know, he, he no longer gave interviews because he couldn't stand up to any reporters, maybe like some Fox interviews. But generally, the only place he could speak on television would be like Fox and Friends in the morning. And that's certainly a lot more difficult than just sending out a tweet at any second to respond to anything just immediately. He'd had no briefings, had no press briefings or anything like that. Twitter was his way of always being able to push back and punch back immediately. And it's just gone. It is, it is like a death for him. And uh, a relief for us. God, what a shitty president. What a, sh- what a truly shitty president Donald Trump has been. It's just dumbfounding how shitty he's been. When you think about it. I mean, when you think about it, it's... He's just been a total failure on every possible metric, you know? That language sounds absolutist and unforgiving, but by God, I think he's earned that contempt. He did a very bad job containing a pandemic that's killed hundreds of thousands of people. He did a very bad job preparing white America for a multicultural future. He did a very bad job as president of keeping people's faith in our democratic institutions, which have been through a lot in the last couple hundred years. And he did a very bad job looking normal and um, wearing clothes that fit. And he did a very bad job elevating uh, the public discourse to bring out the best in its citizenry. I mean, one time he had a football team come to the White House and he fucking served him McDonald's. I mean, come on, come on. He just did a bad job. And if that turns you off from listening to this podcast, so be it. Just try to cancel us. We're free speech warriors. This isn't George Orwell. This isn't 1984. You can't cancel us for speaking the truth. He's been a bad president and he's a bum. You're right, from start to finish. He's a big bum. And Ted Cruz is a bum. And Josh Hawley, that little punk ass 41-year-old is the bum of all bums. That dude's career needs to get wrecked. It looks like it is. Bad. It's bad news. We're throwing up his little fist to the protesters, his little skinny ass fist. His head's more narrow than my head. Good God almighty, you could fit his fucking head in a can of Pringles. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> all right. God, this week has been so long. I just remembered that even in the time since we last recorded, I got into a fucking argument on Twitter about effects pedals with Tommy Vitor of Pod Save America. That wasn't even a week ago, John. That wasn't even a week ago. No, really? I need to address a couple things about these pedals. Yeah, you need to address that. A last week's episode, I made a huge error and many listeners delighted in pointing it out to me. I've been up here pontificating as if I'm the king of all pedal knowledge, human database of effects pedal information. Last week, we discussed on the episode an Italian-based conspiracy theory that the COVID vaccine contained a 5G chip and that that 5G chip, when you looked at the schematic, was actually the schematic for a boss effects pedal. When I was discussing this news item, which I thought would be the leading news all week, how wrong I was, I misidentified it as the Boss Heavy Metal 2 pedal. It was not. It was the Metal Zone pedal. And so I just need to say that I flushed my credibility down the toilet. And before I realized my mistake, I had gotten to an argument with Tommy Vitor because Tommy Vitor was on Twitter talking about the same news item and was linking to these Chase Bliss pedals. If you don't know Chase Bliss, Chase Bliss are some of the most expensive boutique pedals you can buy these days. And he was like, oh, I might have to buy all these pedals. And I was like, yeah, shut up, Tommy Vitor. You, Of course you can afford Chase Bliss pedals, Pod Save America. You probably made $50,000 a month selling your fucking COVID masks that say, oh, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. So we had a little we had a little tete-a-tete on Twitter in the free market of ideas. And then I turn around and fucking flush it all down the toilet because I misidentified the schematic of that pedal. And to the listeners, I apologize and I'm sorry. Total biff. Sorry, man. It was a huge error and it was a total biff. And I'm not even going to do pedal misconnections this week because I need to put myself in a pedal timeout. So I'm in pedal purgatory this week. The other thing I want to say is... My uncle's movie that he saw. <laughs> this is the other thing people have been talking about all week. Let me bring up my damn spreadsheet of my uncle's the movie my uncle saw after he saw 2001. We were asking people what movie they thought my uncle saw. What movie brought my uncle back into the movie theater for the first time in 30 plus years after seeing 2001 in 1968? Let's take a look here. We had a lot of entries, a lot of guesses. 
Did I tell you the answer, John? No. Well, we had 29 different movies were proposed as the movie my uncle saw after seeing 2001 in the theater. Okay, so 2001 was in 68, and then it was 30 years later. 34 years later, I think. It was like 2001, 2002. And I know a lot of people were burning up IMDb because I see some movies on this list that I've never heard of in my life. Space Station in 3D, Blue Crush. I don't even know what that, the Mothman Prophecies I did see. So shout out to anyone who put the Mothman Prophecies. Catch me if you can. That's, nobody guessed that. Oh, huh, all right. Number one guess, Lord of the Rings. My uncle did not go back to the movie theater to see Lord of the Rings. Solaris, a lot of people were putting some thought into it and they were thinking, well, 2001 was a sci-fi, heady sci-fi movie. Maybe he went and saw the remake of Solaris. That's a heavy, heady sci-fi movie. No. Minority Report. No. That was up in the top tier of guesses. I wanted to tell you one little behind-the-scenes trivia fact, and this we can um, cross-promote this as uh, Hollywood insider gossip. John, as you know, I'm actually really good friends with one of the stars of Minority Report. Mm-hmm. Not Tom Cruise, not Colin Farrell, but the wonderful actor Daniel London, proud alumni of Oberlin College, a terrific liberal arts college in Ohio, where Daniel and I overlapped for some of our education. Daniel London is one of the main people in Minority Report. So I assume that if Daniel London guessed this trivia question, he would guess his own movie, Minority Report, but Daniel guessed Lord of the Rings. Hmm. He didn't even, he's too humble. This is what makes him a great actor. He's too humble. He probably forgot he was in Minority Report. I've never forgotten he was in Minority Report. No, he was great. Because he was acting with Tom Cruise in a Steven Spielberg movie. That should be on the front page of Variety every damn day. Oberlin graduate Daniel London was in a movie with Tom Cruise, famous movie star. The correct answer, and I will give credit to the people who guessed it. Yes, it was... Adaptation. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. What? Is what brought my uncle back to the movie theater after 2001. No. It was my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yes, it was. He told me on Christmas morning when I called him. And I have a feeling that that was probably at the urging of my late Aunt Jan. I have a feeling that she wanted to go see it. That was a huge movie, John, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. That was a massive blockbuster romantic comedy. I saw it. I've never seen it. Is it a lot like 2001? No, no, no. With a huge baby floating in space? (laughs) John, why don't we talk about what we have to look forward to in the next week, the week we are currently dipping our toes into on this Monday afternoon. There's a lot of impeachment market stuff, of course, going bananas. We've already discussed whether Trump will complete his term. I'm starting to think that fucker is going to complete his term. That's unbelievable. And then, of course, we have all the Biden cabinet stuff. And the cabinet positions might not get filled in a timely fashion, depending on how yeah. caught up in impeachment the Senate is. What is going to happen, John? God damn it. Just tell me once and for all. What is going to happen? Okay, here's what I'm hoping is that uh, they impeach him again and then table it and don't send it over to the Senate right away because we need these cabinet positions to be filled as soon as possible because we'll lose money if they aren't. I'm way underwater in these. Those are the only markets that I'm in are these cabinet markets. You know, I bought in at like 85, you know, 80, and now they're at like 75 cents. So, yeah, there's a possibility that if this goes to the Senate, uh, that that delays things for getting confirmation in the, the cabinet. So we need the Senate to table it. And isn't that what they're saying? They're going to table it for 100 days? There's got to be, uh, I don't know, man. You know, the attack on the Capitol is really disturbing. But the thing that is, and of course, obviously, I'm loving Loving these videos of of these protesters <laughs> finding out they can't be seated on an airplane or getting arrested as soon as they touch down at the airport. But it just it's just stunning to me overall that like there's not going to be any. Con- this is going to happen all the time now, John. Yeah, I'm worried. Like, what's going to happen on inauguration day? A million a million assholes are going to show up with a bunch of assault rifles and try to shoot people in D.C. I'm worried. I don't think that they are going to be successful in doing what they may maybe want to accomplish now because that was their chance. You know, nobody was prepared. Now you're going to have National Guard everywhere. I don't know, John. Are we? I mean, I truly don't know. I'm I'm of that paranoid mindset where it's like, well, I don't know if the police force is, is, is staffed entirely by white supremacists, maybe they're going to join in. 
Maybe the yeah. military didn't want to deploy the National Guard just because they were kind of like, yeah, we kind of like how this is going. You know, this looks good to us. No cause for alarm. Yeah, these are answers that we need to get to. I'm worried. I'm worried about Biden's safety. I've been worried about Biden's safety since Election Day. Totally. Um, just because of Trump's rhetoric. But now I'm particularly worried. These QAnon people aren't backing down at all. They absolutely still believe that Trump is going to retain power. They thought that that speech that he was going to give on January 6th, you know, and I mean, there's, there's reporters that follow this, like Ben Collins from NBC News that follows these QAnon dystopian disinformation uh, beat. And yeah, they absolutely believed that on, on January 6th, he was going to give this information and, and spill the goods on what was going to happen and then everyone was going to go get arrested. Um, but now that that didn't happen, they, they've just pushed it back. And they're saying it's it's still going to happen. It, it, it just may be the 20th now that it happens. Right. It's like all eschatological cults. The comet didn't stop this time, but it's going to stop in 40 years. Yes. The world didn't end on uh, on 2012, but it'll end the next time around, according to this huge Aztec calendar stone that I roll around with me everywhere, keeping my storage facility. So if you have people like that, they're never going to uh, lose stamina because nothing is going to get them down. Right. You would think that they would have uh, lost some momentum after this, but I don't think they have. No, and it's probably like so many other things in life. The more time and energy they've invested in it, the harder it's going to be for them to ever get out. It's like me with my fucking predicted portfolio. The more time I sit on this money going further and further underwater, it's like the sunk cost fallacy. I'll never let go. I don't care if I drown in these waves. I can never admit mistake. I can't admit an error because then I have to turn around and be like, what did I do for the last six months with this market? What a huge mistake. The same with the Republicans who will, they'll never disavow Trump because they'll be like, well, I can't disavow him now because the first thing people are going to ask me is, why didn't you disavow him fucking four years ago? No one wants that kind of self-reckoning. Yeah, like Pat Toomey coming out, you know, the senator from Pennsylvania coming out this week and been like, you know, he's really gone off the deep end. Yeah, okay, Pat Toomey. Yeah, you're right. And you're like, oh, really? The last week, huh? Ooh, what, what, what a crazy <laughs> turn of events. Is this even the same Donald Trump? You're right, man. This is so out of character. Wow. No one could have known. That's the most enraging part. It feels, ba- it feels bad. It feels like there's going to be a lot of violence over the next few years. Um, and uh, I just hope there are enough non-racists in law enforcement to take it seriously and actually prosecute people who do this. Because as far as I'm concerned, what happened on Wednesday is completely unacceptable. And I'll go to my grave believing that. And I don't care who tries to cancel me. This feels like the most historic week of this season of election profit makers. Between Georgia, between Wednesday, the Capitol, and then Friday, him being banned from Twitter, plus me making that error, misattributing the pedal schematic and the COVID vaccine. This has got to be one of the, we just went through one of the biggest weeks in election profit makers history. Yeah, let's hope that it's the biggest. I really thought that the Georgia thing was the, was the highlight, the low light, him asking for all those Oh, the phone call with Raffensperger. You thought that was going to be— Yeah, I was like, we'll never see anything crazier than that. Yeah. We'll never see anything crazier than leaked audio of the president leaning on a secretary of state to literally swing an election. I mean, that's pretty unprecedented, I have to imagine. Mm-hmm. Wednesday was pretty precedented because <laughs> that <laughs> happens a lot. There's a lot of precedent for what happened on Wednesday. Yeah, there is because that was pretty normal. Yeah, that's never going to happen again in our lives. I mean, democracy may end in the United States. It probably will in our lives. I think now you can see that we're probably in the long term doomed. Damn, stay tuned. I don't know. I'm kind of out of sorts. It's hard to do this without Starley here to guide us, to bring us back to our common shared humanity. But I doubt the Capitol ever gets taken over again. You don't think? Smear shit on the walls of the Capitol? Oh, I would love it if an Obama supporter did that. Oh, would Sean Hannity ever talk about that? (laughs) Would he ever? Pulling down American flags off the Capitol and replacing them with Trump flags. Imagine that had been Obama. First of all, imagine Obama had a flag. But second of all... They pulled down an American flag and put fucking Shepard Fairey Obama hope flag up on that. You think Tucker Carlson would ever fixate on that imagery very much? Oh, my God. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. 
send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. As we have told you, there is still money to be made on Predict It. If you can separate your heart from your brain, you can make a financial windfall. Go to www.predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. Thanks to everyone who signed up for Patreon. We really do appreciate it. We got more stickers going out to our $10 donors who are signing up for the first time. It helps keep the lights on here at Election Profit Makers headquarters. Patreon.com slash Election Profit Makers. Oh, the other, we totally forgot another huge thing. My fucking tape sold out in three hours. On Bandcamp. Oh, nice. I thought that was good. I thought, I'm sure that would get at least a mention on MSNBC. I was sure Rachel Maddow would, would at least put that at like end of show little light news to end on. No, thanks to everyone who bought the tape. Digital download is still available. Bit.ly slash David Reese Records. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who ordered that tape. I think they're shipping next week. Please enjoy the bloops, bleeps, moans, groans, and drones of You Ain't Going Nowhere. John, I'm starting to get worried I'm never going to be able to go to brunch again. Never going to be able to go to brunch again. No, no. We're going to get... One thing I think we're going to get under control is COVID. Well, that would be good because that's the other thing is the day they were storming the Capitol was the single highest death day in... in America for COVID. Yeah, none of them were wearing masks. Yeah, yeah and then the, was, and then the dem- I know we already did the credits and it's supposed to be over. Let's consider this a little, a little bonus track on this here CD. All these representatives went and hid in a room and a Democrat was trying to hand out masks and the Republicans wouldn't wear the masks and now one of the Democrats is fucking COVID. Yeah, of course. Death cult. Death cult. Racist death cult. Yeah, they can't deny it. I don't know, man. It's like the one the one who denied it supplied it. They're using like fifth grade fart logic on a fucking deadly disease. Exactly. Please take care, guys. You don't have to look at the news every second of every day. I mean, I guess you do, but it was a rough week. Bye. Oh, goodbye. Sorry. <laughs> goodbye, John. Bye, David. It is nice that he's off Twitter, though. <laughs> <laughs>